yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranelagh, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time imon irok the yen of chacht erachor. Agus suligam a makan sha gurfeder erachor inuik kiart len of winter fein. Skilti fis turmi. Tashe dochrecha nach vetoch ara igornamyan on kestchen ekol. Vien talam aginam griv arkar nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. This is an Irish independent podcast. Number one, right, the fist over the bar, but Carl Gallagher was standing across... Yeah. He was disgusted, Dick, that he didn't get he the was, ball. Did you know that? He was a debutant. He was yeah. going, going, this is mine all day. And the next thing he looked at going in. And uh, like, that was the play, actually. Just the wee hand pass across and it was a wee tap in. But anyway, listen, it was a, it was a what would you call it, an old school Ryder right over moment. You know, and he'd he live off that. He'd he never, he'd, like, he'd play 100 years, he'll never replicate that. It was a dramatic weekend of football action as Monaghan produced another famous underdog victory in Ulster after an injury time goal sunk Tyrone and Oma. That makes it two weekends in a row where the provincial championships have thrown up high drama. And on today's episode of the Throne Podcast, we are going to ask why that is. Will Slattery here with you, and I'm delighted to be joined by Michael Verney, Dick Clerk, and Anne Column Keys to chat through all the major talking points. And Dick, we have to go to you first after that great win for Monaghan yesterday. I'm sure you're a happy man this morning, and I very much enjoyed your photo on Twitter last night of you enjoying a well-earned celebratory drink. But how would you sum up yesterday's occasion? I know you were there in Healy Park. It was not only a great win for Monaghan, but it was a great championship occasion generally. There's so many facets to it. Obviously, as just a, a pure Monaghan fan, and it's mad. It's sort of taken me probably the last couple of years. I remember listening to Brian O'Driscoll talk about that when you move from being a past player to being a, a, a full-blown fan, you sort of completely detach yourself from the play. And I'm at that stage now. For the first couple of years, you're still sort of thinking you could be there. Whereas now, if you'd have seen me yesterday, you'd have been sort of thinking I was a wee bit unhinged towards the end of the game. And uh, you are you're full the full part of the terrace. And and that's the way it was. It was let no, for anyone that goes and says it was an epic from start to finish, if you're a Monaghan fan, it wasn't. It was a tough watch for Monaghan for the first 35 minutes. We were very sheepish at half time. I had conversations with a few people in the in the in the terraces, and listen, you'd have been sort of happy at that stage for a sort of an honourable defeat, you know, because because a licking was 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 on the cards, you know. Such was was Tyrone's dominance, and Monaghan just looked a bit bit flat. Our forwards weren't really getting in the game. Connor, at his age, was was carrying the can up front, and that wasn't really sustainable. All the players were going to have to step up. We were getting absolutely obliterated around the middle, and it was listen. There was, there was nobody putting money on Monaghan to win that game. So then, 
but the occasion to turn the way it's head, it was just one of those days that, you know, championship at its best. And it gives a whole other context, the whole conversation around the, the provincial championships and, and what it means. Like, don't try and tell me that the celebrations and the, 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 the not the fallout, but the, the post-match reaction would have been the same if that was like an All-Ireland qualifier as opposed to provincial championship. That was provincial rivalry at its best championship football Monaghan won thrown her out and it was just it was just fantastic yeah Colin I know you were in Healy Park yesterday as well and you know the first two weekends have really thrown up a number of kind of very entertaining exciting provincial clashes have you been surprised with you know the level of excitement or interest or intrigue that we've gotten from the provincial championships because there was a feeling that maybe it could be a slow burn some teams might not be really going for it full-blooded but if anything it seems like it's been even better than we ordinarily might guess Probably has better than expectation, ever so slightly. I, I wouldn't qualify. Monaghan and Tyrone yesterday was a lot better than Roscommon and Mayo the week before. Roscommon and Mayo was obviously played in very, very difficult conditions, but it was a bit of a grind. Yesterday, there was lots of football yesterday and lots of good football. Very enjoyable. Most enjoyable game. Has to be said, we you know, we often complain about the, the way, they, the, the outcome of games and the way they play out. And there's a level of predictability about Gaelic football now that you nearly know what's going to happen for the next 50 seconds or a minute. You can see teams setting up in a certain way. That wasn't really there yesterday. There was a lot of line breakers on both teams yesterday, and particularly Monaghan in the second half. Players who were just willing to drop the shoulder and go. And it was great to watch. You could name them. Carl O'Connell. I think he's 34, Dick. He was absolutely flying through the middle. Ridiculous what he done yesterday, yeah. He was flying through the middle yesterday. Uh, Stephen O'Hanlon uh, for Monaghan, uh, a player who who really made his mark against Dublin in his, I think it was his, his championship debut. Monaghan, or his league debut in 2019. Uh, Monaghan players have, seem to have a habit of great debuts against big teams. Ryan O'Toole obviously did it yesterday. Well, Stephen O'Hanlon against Dublin uh, four years ago, scored a terrific goal. He ripped them apart. And uh, yesterday, his jink for the goal and his movement and just his ability to get out of trouble. And obviously, obviously, uh, Tyrone had those line breakers too. I mean, Derek Canavan delivered a performance yesterday inside, especially early on, that really, really had Monaghan in a twist. And, you know, comparisons with your father, especially when they're as great as Peter was, are always very, very difficult for players. And no one is suggesting for one minute that Darrow will ever, you know, get it. But he's really on the path now to delivering on the potential. And, you know, his younger brother is coming up and say, well, the younger brother is better. But yesterday, Darrow showed really how good he is and how good he has been in the league. And I th- he's going to be a terrific player over the next few years, a real leader for Tyrone now. So you had all these line breakers that were willing to have a go on both teams. And it made for a really, really entertaining team. That players themselves, whatever about overall the teams, the players themselves had great ambition and it led to a great spectacle. What what was good, Colm, was that like Monaghan were beat at half time. Like you were at it, you, you, you got the sense in the stand and it, it was a case of the dressing room at half time is the guys saying, right guys, how are we gonna what what we are we going to try and win the game or are we going to try and just damage limitation? And and they went out to try and win the game. So they and that contributed then to the, to the football that we've seen in the second half. So like they pushed up as much as they could on Throne's kick-out, which made the ball go long. They competed better for the kick-outs. It was actually a bit of a throwback. Values won that game for Monaghan. Like they were obliterated. And boys just threw their bodies into breaking ball. Monaghan, I'd, 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 I'd try and find the stats somewhere, but I got the sense that Monaghan won the midfield battle 
but but through breaking ball alone, there, like there was nobody up catching ball over Brian Kennedy or um, Kilpatrick, but they just got in that sort of dirty ball and then were able to get good, strong attacking positions, which you don't get from short kickouts because we've said before there's too many men behind the ball. So they just they just threw caution to the wind, as you say. Those players just pierced through, and and Tyrone seemed to either be complacent or became fatigued. Because they weren't tracking, they weren't getting the hands on, they weren't getting even. You could see them; they actually wanted to get that almost silicon cynical foul at times to try and stop the Monaghan runner. They couldn't get a hand on them, and listen, the, the, the Monaghan kept the scoreboard ticking and ran up an incredible score. Actually, at the end that's something I, I never thought I'd see for a Monaghan team up and almost scoring two goals and whatever it was, sixteen points. Um, but there was a lot of things contributed that didn't just happen. It was, as you say, good good old school values. Both teams willing to have a proper cut. It's amazing to see teams struggling with chaos. I felt Derry were supreme, obviously, and dominant the night before. But when there was a little bit of chaos around their goal mouth, they conceded two goals. They're great. When every when a team is structured against them, Derry will thrive. Obviously, they will thrive. And so so will Tyrone. And so will any team. Not just all teams will... You know, they're so used to uh, defending against structure and order that when chaos kicks in and chaos, a little bit of chaos kicked in just after half time yesterday. They got the first two points and then Monaghan signaled their ambition. Um, I think it was Jack McCarran took a quick free to Conor McManus. Right. When it was right. an obvious one to put over, to put over the bar to cut the gap to two points at that stage and really apply the pressure. Jack McCarran takes a quick free and Conor has to manoeuvre one way or the other. Niall Morgan gets down to save it. But what it said at that moment was, you know, we're ambitious to go after this. And I felt the other the other aspect that really helped, helped Monaghan and might have been a little bit inadvertent in ways, but Thomas McPhillips was taken off. Another championship debutant, and I, I would be pretty sure he'd come on strong in the years ahead too. Looks a quick enough player, but Canavan got the drop on him yesterday, and sometimes that happens and a game can get away with you, away from you. So they bring on Shane Carey and they put Conor McCarthy back. Now, he'd been quite peripheral up to that. But running from deep positions, he's obviously a great ball carrier. And sometimes great ball carriers are better coming from further back. They get less slugged up. And he had so much room going forward. Scored two points in the second half. Fouled for two frees. I felt that was probably the pivotal change uh, in terms of positions for uh, for Monaghan. To get him running from deep and get him, get him running with a bit of freedom. I don't think Tyrone were really able to deal with that. Yeah. And like we're talking about, obviously, Ryan O'Toole in his debut year, like... I've said it before and written about it. Like huge credit has to go to Vinnie Corey. Like he's proven himself and his team to be very astute on the line. Like we, he managed a panel. I don't know how he got that panel through a Division One campaign. And he did, and like his decisions, as you say, it was a tough call on on, on Young McPhillips because he'd been one of Monaghan's better players and finds during the league. But but it had to be done. He was just getting roasted, and and like there's a, he could have been followed with a couple of others like Ryan O'Toole. They were all getting skinned in there. Like they, there's a couple of them could have been having an early shower, but he, he he took that decision, made a few astute changes, pulled Jack McCarn halfway through the second half. He just he just couldn't get away from Porrick Hamsey, and that's not the first time, which was a big call, but the right call because, you know, Jack just wasn't in the game and, and needed something different. Sean Jones didn't contribute much, but as you say, Colin, a bit of chaos. It was a wee bit of unknown. It was a wee bit of pace, and it, 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 it caused that, Bit of bit of dynamism in in the full forward line that Monaghan sort of thrived on. So Vinny got a lot of big calls right yesterday and made changes. Even Kieran Hughes, we sort of forgotten about him. He came in and and ably replaced Darren and provided something a wee bit different around the middle. 
bit of height, but you know, he competed well in the air and was able to spread the ball around quite well. So so the Monaghan bench or line done really well. I'm not so sure you'd say the same about Throne. Like they, they, they seem to just throw on a load of young lads, unproven at that level, hoping that something might come from them. I don't think it did. They took Matty Donnelly off, who I don't know, was it a stat that was been read on the on the GPS? Because like he scored three points, he got a point in the second half out of nothing when no, nobody else was putting their hand up to score a point. You, you think of all that turn and fro and in the day and seconds that thrown at looking for a point. No better man to get it than Matty Donnelly, but yet he was sitting in the stand. So I, I didn't think Duhor and, and Logan had a good day. Uh, that was my sense on a column. I'd, I'd be the same, Dick. In relation to Matty Donnelly, he is just brings great composure on the ball. You know when the ball is in Matty Donnelly's hands that it's a safe space for a few seconds there that you know that, especially in chaos, he's a port in the storm for, for Tyrone all the time. He just he can, he, can, he can slow a game down or he can make that break and, uh, and pick it up. And he had scored three points. You know, you'd leave a player like that on. I think you, you give him that credit line to stay to stay for as long. Unless, of course, it was an injury or unless, of course, he was really, was really flashy. But I didn't see it. I didn't know. It, what... it wasn't visible. It wasn't visible there and then. So a little a little bit of an eye opener. The other the other thing I would say about Tyrone is very strange. Where has Cahill McShane gone? Is his form so poor that he didn't come off the bench yesterday? He was listed. You would have expected maybe he would come in. But actually, it was probably in defence that Tyrone needed the greater uh, restructuring in order because they had a pretty def- strong defensive shell in the first half. But as we said, when the chaos kicked in, there was really no one to bring order there. And I felt even Matty Donnelly was playing up front, but you could have brought him right back and into the, into the middle of it a lot more. Um, and I feel he, wa- he was missed down that home straight. Wasn't it mad to see them as open as they were for that last play, having got themselves in a game-winning position, like, and how much space Ryan O'Toole had to go into? That's not your, it's definitely not your typical Tyrone anyway. Maybe that's where they needed one of those kind of wise heads, the like of a Donnelly. Just on O'Toole as well, you'd have to say, and just piggyback on something, I think both of you mentioned, there was a clear ambition from Monaghan because O'Toole would have hand-passed the ball over the bar if they were scrambling for a draw, if it was like, we need to get something out of this game. But it was about trying to win a game, and it just, I don't know, there was a youthful exuberance to that shot that he took. Like, nearly the whole goal was covered as well. And I know he scored one against uh, Mayo a few weeks previous, but, you know, if he'd been around the inter-county scene maybe a couple of years, maybe wiser heads would have prevailed. Yeah. And, it, and, it's great, and it's great that they didn't. It's great that it didn't. And that was that was the whole beauty of it. And even down the far end then, when Tyrone are trying to get a draw and you're just thinking, like you literally, it was a sort of finale where you thought anything could happen. Yeah. And it, was, it was fantastic to watch. The referee also played like three minutes after ah, that goal. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not exactly sure why. I enjoyed it though. It really added to the madness, but there didn't oh, seem to be stuff. a particular reason for it. We were behind the goals and there was a sort of a crowd of us had sort of <laughs> nested together. And we, don't, don't, don't worry, we were the referee up to up to time at that stage. I hope there was nobody video recording me. But um, and but it, Dick, was, what, it was. What manic. were you thinking? What were you thinking, Dick? When Ryan O'Toole got that ball, were you thinking like gonna no, no, yes, or was it like nobody put it over the bar? Nobody realised he'd scored it. It was sort of a bit of an outer body experience because we were that far away and you were at head level. So you you, you wondered if he hit it. This did he hit the side net and had the ball flew across? Because nobody thought he would shoot right. No, and so the fact that it was a goal, he always was halfway back up the, the stand waving his fist before you you, you realise actually that was a goal and you just sort of went a wee bit apoplectic so you did and then looking back at, uh, when I got home on, on the highlights like he or he hits that shot a hundred times a year and scoring it like it was through through that 
and 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 I'd say if he to himself, he just probably had an outer body mix, and because because number one, right, the fist over the bar, but Carl Gallagher was standing across completely yeah. unmarked. He was the... disgusted, Dick, that he didn't get he the was, ball. Did you know that? He was a debutante. He was yeah. that going, going, this is mine all day. And the next thing he looked at going in. And uh, like that was the play, actually. Just the wee hand pass across and it was a wee tap in. But anyway, listen, it was a, it was a what would you call it, an old school Raya the Rovers moment. You know, and he'll, he'll live off that. He'll, he'll never, he'll, like you play 100 years, you'll never replicate that. Because I'd say he would have faced quite an inquisition had, had the shot been saved and Monaghan lost that game by a point. I mean, you can think of the consequences there, but his attitude, his attitude to go for it was mirrored by his attitude in appraising it afterwards. I have to say he was uh, very pleasant, uh, savoured the moment as he should, as he should. He could have, he could have brought down the curtains on that moment and said, said nothing and it's all about the next day. It wasn't. It was about that 10 minutes yeah, that moment. after the game to really savour a big championship moment like that. And I was delighted to see him do that. Obviously, from our point of view, we will say that. But it's great. You know, and, and you know, we mentioned the provincial championships. These are one-off games. Monaghan have suffered a lot against, against this Tyrone team, for sure. Ulster final two years ago, All-Ireland semi-final sometime back. There's even threads of the 2013 and 2015 team, obviously, with, with both. Um, the, the, you know, obviously, a lot of personnel changes since those years but they've had a fair grip. So to go up there and win that game and give themselves a chance to win against Derry and, you know, maybe avenge last year's, uh, last year's defeat because Mayo or Monaghan were quite, were quite close to Derry in that game last year at times. And just the goals broke it. The way the goals broke for, for, for Derry really, uh, really, really wrapped that up for them. So interesting, but got to savour that moment and I'm delighted he did. Michael, do you think the provincial championships place in the football championship now contributed to the openness of the spectacle or the excitement? If, is there a different kind of approach teams are taking perhaps now that it is kind of like Monaghan and Toronto are now still the same place in the All Ireland series? I'll be at Monaghan and have a chance to get another step further against Derry. Potentially, yeah, because uh, like I don't know when like, I can't really recall the last time I watched an Ulster Championship game that was as open as that. Like again, that 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 final scenario for O'Toole to score the goal. Generally, you know, you would have seen teams really shutting up shop. And just something as I have to say on Monaghan, uh, when Darren Hughes went off, they almost not abandoned the sweeper, but he generally been playing that position. They just decided maybe they need to do something a bit different if they were to get a result, and that was very very admirable as well. I have to say. Um, I don't know, Will. I'm not. I'm. I'm not sure. Um, maybe there's less jeopardy, maybe involved, and you know. But I. That's not to say that teams are going to play more open and risk losing. I. I don't know. It, it might be. Might be a bit of an anomaly when you look at the Ulster Championship. Even when you look at it, when the Ulster Championship is over, and when you look at you know the last decade or so, I think this game might be a bit of an anomaly in terms of, of the scoring, but. Tyrone are in the same position as Mayo are in now and they're, you know, they'll be waiting for a good while before their next game. But they'd much rather be in the position of being able to be in a position to win a provincial title again and they haven't won Ulster in a couple of years. So um, I, don't, I don't think, I don't know if that plays into it at all, really. I think at the end of the day, teams want to win games that are in front of them, particularly against rivals like Monaghan uh, within their own province. So I don't think so. But if it did, it definitely uh, helped to play into, uh, you know, what was a brilliant spectacle in the last, that last 15 or 20 minutes. To, to me, it doesn't matter. The All-Ireland, I, I, I don't even talk about the All-Ireland unless mass now, because th- we'll talk about that in when there's a six, eight weeks time when it's in the All-Ireland competition. At the minute, 
that's not what it is. It's the Ulster Championship, it's the Connacht Championship, it's the Munster Championship. And I think that's what my hope is that's what we'll get to. We will not have to caveat every game with oh, it doesn't matter. Of course it matters. Like there's no throne uh, supporter, manager, player walking out of Healy Park feeling good about themselves yesterday just because, you know, they've been all Ireland. That Tyrone team yesterday ain't winning all Ireland. So if that's all their ambitions is, well then they've, they've nothing to, to to work towards this year, bar maybe a few competitive games and an odd an odd win. Cause cause based on yesterday, you know, and for a lot of counties, there's only a few of them have an ambition to win in all Ireland. Other than that, a provincial silverware is their ambition. And maybe that's where Monaghan is, but but that's okay too. You know, and we all, all Monaghan need to worry about is winning a provincial championship and then worry about the all Ireland when that comes. Like I I thinking about yesterday and this whole dynamic about provincials. Like I think back to when Monaghan won provincials in thirteen and fifteen. We were underprepared because of the provincial structure then going into an All-Ireland series, I felt, against the teams that we were playing because you didn't have an opportunity to come down from that high. It was a very quick turnaround. You you, you, you learn a lot in defeat that you don't get when you're running through a, a provincial system. We often just rolled out the same team that we had that won an Ulster Championship game, which probably wasn't equipped for Croke Park. It was too quick a turnaround, whereas I actually feel now you can go hammer and togs in the provincial win it, enjoy it, celebrate it, and then reset, and you have an opportunity then to go at the All-Ireland Series again. And I think that's where the provincials could actually, potentially, if treated well, could thrive, because they don't have to have a potential negative connotation to the to the All-Ireland Series, because it is a completely separate competition now, you know? It's still a quick turnaround, though. It, it is, but at least, at least you're not you don't have to win the next game, is what I mean, Well, Like, we, 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 I remember in 13 and 15, we had to basically play Tyrone within two weeks, who had been beaten previous in the year and had gone in a bit of a run through the qualifiers. So they'd regrouped, they'd had their hard conversations in dressing rooms, they had found a bit of form, and you were meeting them in an upward curve, whereas we were sort of coming in from a high on a, after provincial win, and I, I felt we were undercooked for those games compared to the throne teams that we were facing. You'll not have that same dynamic now because it, it all doesn't rest. You get a, a better seeding, so you're going to have arguably easier games in your group by winning a provincial, and it's it's not all on just that that one game. You'll have three, four games to, to get yourself right. The one thing I would say uh, maybe to counter that is that the level of attrition that the extra games will bring. Now, games are great for sure, but there is that risk and those more yeah. compromised, maybe the squads that aren't deeper, risk that as they go on. And especially in Ulster, Monaghan could be playing Derry and Armagh in their next two games. There's a lot of risk even. There's even the risk of red cards, everything like that. Whereas the reset... And, and again, I suppose the provincial championships, you, you have to look at the recent history. Monaghan have won two on this recent stretch. There's a few players there that would really like to match, uh, to, to win a third. There were very few Monaghan players, Dick will correct me on this, that have three Ulster medals. Obviously, there's... Yeah, uh, very few. You have Nudie. The, 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 there's very few anyway. Yeah, 79. Yeah, there's only a couple. Yeah, 79, 85 and 88. So that's a big thing in Monaghan. Whereas Tyrone have won a recent... Uh, they've won a recent Ulster title in 2021. I think they'll be able... They would be able to get over defeat in Oma yesterday quicker than Monaghan because Monaghan's focus may be that little bit sharper on an Ulster Championship because having lost in 2021 and a lot of these players don't actually have one so it's a big thing maybe a maybe a bigger thing so every every county is different than this same for Russ Common okay Mayo won a 2021 uh, Connacht title um, they're the league champions so the reset there it's not going to take as much out of them losing in Castlebar last week 
as it would have out of Roscommon had they lost. So there is there is that, that it, everything will reset. But provincial championships for Monaghan and the Royal, and there's lots of counties that would really, really value them. Obviously, the likes of Kerry and Dublin win them multiple multiple times every every decade. They, you know, they're, they're serial winners of provincial championships. It's not really going to make a huge difference to them. Obviously, if they're beaten, it's... Uh, it's hugely consequential because, but all told, most teams, no team likes losing. And actually, that's something Vinnie Corey said. It was very relevant yesterday. Put championship before anything yeah. and you have a contest and a strong contest. And that proved it yesterday on the pitch. They celebrated afterwards. They were euphoric, rightly so. They don't often beat Tyrone in championship and certainly going to Healy Park. And I think that's the two players. The, uh, that's twice now that uh, yeah, Monaghan have beaten uh, yeah, yeah. Tyrone in the recent stretch in, in, in Hilly Park. Michael, you know, for Tyrone and, and for Mayo the previous week, kind of two Division One teams who were beaten, does how they process the defeat, is that a different kind of, I suppose, is that different to what it would have been in previous years when the Provincial Championship was different? Like there was a qualifier system, there was a backdoor that directly fed into the All-Ireland Series. Does how these teams bounce back and prepare, is that markedly different, do you think, this year versus previous years? Well, you probably had, um, I wouldn't call them appetizers or whatever, but you had games to get you on the road maybe in the qualifiers, whereas they're going straight into, like they're, going to, they're going to face really, really tough games from the off. As well as that, from a Tyrone point of view, like I know Dick has written it several times and he gets plenty of, uh, he gets plenty of jibes about it online about Tyrone winning what was, you know, a soft All-Ireland or what was maybe seen as a, viewed by some, Dick included, as a lucky All-Ireland. But when you look at 2022, it was so... Like, I wouldn't even say patchy. It was just, they were off colour nearly from start to finish in the championship. And then, you know, the patchy enough league, albeit they were in the equation uh, at the end, maybe to get to a final if things had worked their way. And then a really patchy performance. If you're looking at the first half yesterday and you're thinking, yeah, geez, Tyrone are, are back at a level where, you know, it could be serious, serious All-Ireland contenders. And then you're looking at the second half when, you know, I think there was a stage in the first half maybe where they hadn't scored for about 10 or 12 minutes. I think there was a stage in the second half where they didn't score for the goods of about 20 minutes. Um, and it's just really, yeah, just really, really patchy. So I think they're they're going into the All-Ireland stages now. It's kind of unknown again, really. They don't really know where they're at. Um, Dick mentioned it as well about, you know, some young kind of raw players been thrown into the mix, you know, when the game was really in the melting pot. I'm even thinking of Michael McLean when a ball broke uh, and he just was, you know, at the half step away from it, whereas maybe your more experienced player would have been maybe just there and in position a bit better. So I think they're going into the All-Ireland stages um, in a, a different place than Mayo. Mayo have been, you know, outside of the Roscommon game, have been really consistent this year and, you know, were consistent enough last year despite having a load of injuries. Whereas Tyrone, we're not really sure 100% what we're going to get going into the All-Ireland stages. So there's that there's that element of unknown there. And how will they deal with the with the break which they have now, which is another unknown as well? I have said it, and I do stand over it. And the more the more games and performance they put in like they do, the, the more it, it does put a, a, a bigger asterisk over that, as I say, that COVID All-Ireland, which, which had a... And there was a lot of stuff happened that year and other counties won things that were against the heads because... It was more the exception than the norm for what has been thrown over the last four or five years. They were always a sort of a, a top five, top six, but like they weren't the best team in the country. They won the year the All Ireland. They won the All Ireland, but by no other measure were they the best team. They just it was a sort of a smashing grab, and they fully deserved it. They just peaked at the right time, and other teams just just couldn't. They just haven't been able to get close to that. And 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 yes, they've they've showed glimpses, 
but yet you have to base a team's performance over a full 70 minutes or a full league campaign over a full championship campaign and they just haven't been there and I think they're just probably lacking a bit of depth they're lacking a bit of experience now even and yes Colin you mentioned Derek Hanavan who was exceptional in the first half but by the same token when the game was there to be won you needed somebody to, to to grab the ball when there was plenty of opportunities in that last 10-15 minutes in front of the Monaghan goalmouth. He wasn't there. He didn't do it. He didn't. He didn't get the score. And and it was Darren McCurry who would have a sort of a, you know, be very sort of a marmite appeal to in 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 Tyrone. But like a lot of players, just sort of went missing in terms of that leadership. They were throwing the ball around, afraid to shoot. You know, and that's where Tyrone are at the minute. There's just a big question mark over over where they're at, and players that give that form back in 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 2020 just have fallen back. Like Kieran McGeary again pulled off. As somebody said behind me, he should have been. He shouldn't even been starting. That's that's where they're at. Footballer of the year is now not deemed even good enough to start for Tyrone. So that's how he's almost. You know, you could as a player, he sort of personifies where Tyrone are at at the moment, how they've fallen back, and and where the Tyrone supporters themselves feel they are. And they'd be frustrated because they, they still benchmark themselves at All-Ireland level. But I would just be amazed. And now, who am I to say they've proved so many people wrong going on a run through the qualifiers after a, after a provincial defeat? I just cannot see it for the life of me them doing it this year. You see, there's so much opportunity ahead as well. The top three teams in each round-robin group will still progress. So the margin of error here is is very, very significant. And you could finish third and win your second and third place playoff, your preliminary quarterfinal, having lost maybe two games in the group and you get into third um, and you take off. A team like Tyrone, they're a momentum team. They get, you know, they, they even through the league there, when they stumbled early on, they finished strong. And you think coming into this that they'd pick up a go and they almost won that game yesterday. You must remember, they, they yeah, very, very nearly right. did win it. Um and that you know, that was Darren McCurry actually put them put them put them in front and you thought maybe may, maybe that's it until Ryan Tools back. So they're not they're not far off, but for sure some of their leading lights of twenty twenty one have stepped back and you look at Cottle McShane, not there yesterday. Uh big setback for them from where he was in, in twenty nineteen. And even in twenty twenty one he made a good impact off the bench. So uh uh, that's certainly a loss to them that he's that he's not there at the front line for them for them all the time. But they are a momentum team, and you know they could they could lose again and they could lose even twice, and that margin of error is there. So we really we really don't know. We can't really preempt what is happening. But right now they probably have slipped to the back of that leading pack in terms of the overall picture. Yeah, Michael, why don't you make a dairy over the weekend with, with that win over Fermanagh? I know it was mentioned earlier, there was a bit of chaos. They conceded two goals, but they still got the job done and, and obviously play Monaghan now in a few weeks. Yeah, I got the job done. And obviously, Conor Glass's absence as well and whether he's going to be you know, fit over the, over the coming weeks will be really, really significant as well. Um, just the fact that they've, uh, and Colm kind of mentioned it there, the fact that they've conceded, you know, decent whack of goals in the last couple of games and I think teams will go after that element of chaos whether it's a high ball in around the square like I couldn't believe that Shea Cullen ended up even getting a shot away at that that time it just there's so many bodies in around there and you're just surprised um they, I, I don't know if they have they gone really gone after the attacking element just because their attack was a bit blunt maybe at different stages last year when they needed to put up a big score and I'm thinking of the All-Ireland semi-final when what did they end up at 1-6 or that and they've really gone after the attacking element uh, 
potentially to the detriment at the back. That that would be my one worry with them. And whether they have, Colm kind of talked about how attritional um, a provincial run could be going into the All-Ireland stages. And you're thinking of maybe whether Glass is going to be fit or not for that semi-final. Whether, whether Dale, and I know you did a piece on a column before about how shallow their squad is. Not shallow necessarily, that they operate off much smaller numbers. That's, yeah, that's yeah. by design. That is by design. They keep it to, to it's uh, they keep it lean and mean to keep them keen. That's, that's, that's really it. 29 players. I think it's 30 now with Kieran McFall back. So it's probably the smallest squad there may be uh, down the divisions, there may be smaller squads, but that is deliberate. It's to keep players playing. It's to keep players playing all the time. Uh, that's what they, that's what they, um, that's the attention of it. So um, it's to keep players consistently playing and uh, keep them to the forefront. The wonder is just if they do have a couple of knocks with that smaller squad, will they be able to absorb them maybe as well as maybe a bigger squad would be? Because, a lot. It's generally the same guys getting nearly all of the game time, and if a couple of those big hitters are absent, um, will those losses be sorely felt? I probably still, been honest, fancied them to to just about uh, account for Monaghan in, in a semi final, just about. Um, and they'll like you're talking about what what provincial title means, and talking about the All Ireland stages, back to back. Provincial titles for Derry would be absolutely huge to take in, and taking promotion to Division One on top of that as well. So that that promised to be an absolute belter of a semi final. Like Derry, and I've, I've mentioned this a few times, and there's so many parallels between this Derry team and the Donegal team that Rory was involved with with Jimmy McGuinness. That, as you say, that very much system focused, tight panel, very dependent on a few key players down the middle. Very pivotal, you know. So you talk about the Connor Glass at the Shane McGuigan, like Shane McGuigan, he's the Colin McFadden of that team. The Connor Glass was the Neil Gallagher. You have the Chrissy McKeag, the Neil McGee. These these really sort of standout players that are so pivotal, and then a system of play that is just predicated on high energy, high intensity, fast line breakers. That when it's done well, is extremely difficult to beat, and extremely difficult to leave. But any dip in that energy I miss a, lose a couple of those players the system can unravel actually quite quickly and you've seen that with that Donegal team if you remember they, they got that hammering against Mayo in what year was it was it 2013 uh, and that we had done a job in them the week before and I remember that they, they just weren't at the same energy levels in that Ulster final now we played them we played them the, the year after and they had brought that back and then in 15, it dipped off again. So if they can't maintain those energy levels, be it through just mental or physical freshness, they're very beatable. And we've seen that last year. And I think that's where Derry could be. You could just find they'll turn up on a day. They might be missing a few key players. They're just not at the full pitch of it. And there'll be anybody's for the taking. Hopefully, that'll be the case in two weeks' time. <laughs> and uh, and he, I don't know, is it fixed for Healy Park or is it, is it the Athletic Grounds yet? Did you hear, Colm? I didn't hear yet, Dick. No, I presume yeah. it'll be the Athletic Grounds just as it was okay. last year. I yeah. think Connor Glass's absence, uh, you can equate that to the number of goals that have gone in the last two games. Obviously, that chaos, he, he gives great protection and screening in front of that full black line. He's a really intelligent footballer, but significantly, they got the two goals after he went off. And Dublin ran in their goals after he went off in the Division Two League final. And they've actually conceded two goals in each of their last three championship games. They conceded two against Clare and two against Galway and now two against Fermanagh. So for all that strength of that defensive shell, as I said earlier, a little bit of chaos and they, they start to feel the pinch. But 
the striking thing about it was it's something they hadn't been doing was the number of defenders that went forward and scored. And that's a trend and a trait that is coming more and more. And it's a sign of Gaelic football and the way it's been it's it's been played. You saw Rory Began yesterday. He put the ball in for the goal into Carol Gallagher and uh, for Stephen O'Hanlon's goal early on. Uh, he also picked out a pass. I think it was for Kieran Duffy early on. You saw Niall Morgan where, where he was. You see defenders that I wouldn't have expected. Conor McCluskey scored a point for Derry. Owen McAvoy scored a point for them. Parik McGrogan, they all came forward. Kieran Duffy, obviously, I mentioned him as well. So it's a real sign that... of, of I, the It's the only the place way. to play, Colm. I'm telling you. I, I started out as a wing-back and I'm sorry you never just stayed there because you, now you I did. You and Conor McManus started <laughs> off as wing-backs. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, no, I, to be fair to Rhino too, like he got an absolute roast in the first half as a defender, but nobody's talking about that. They're talking about the, he scored the first point and he scored the winner. And it's a, like a defender. Defenders live fairly, fairly uh, privileged existence now. They don't really have to defend because of the systems. If they get up yeah. and, and kick a few points, but it's up and down. Everybody, you guys will everybody give them an all star. Then you guys will give them an all star. Then. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Michael, we might finish up with a look ahead just to next weekend. You know, we have the final two Ulster quarterfinals, the Leinster quarterfinals and the semifinals in both Munster and Connacht. Any teams in particular you're excited or interested to see next weekend? Uh, well, just from, from an awfully point of view, like it, it would still be an upset, but, you know, Mead didn't exactly light it up in Division 2. I know Colm's going to have a little grin on his face. <laughs> have a little grin on his face there. But like, it's an opportunity for Offaly, I would say. Now, could, can I see us actually going and winning the game? If I'm honest, I, I can't really. And, and probably what it comes down to is, I'd say physically, I just don't see us matching up when really push comes to shove, particularly around the middle of the field. I can't, I can't see us matching up with me. But does it, you know, a bit of a chance of an upset there. Um, You know, I think even from, you know, Loud coming up against Westmead, which is, you know, a lot of people were nearly saying that Westmead were the second best team in Leinster coming into, particularly how with how Kildare and Mead were going. And then you have how Loud went in Division 2 as well on, on form and on stats at the moment. You're probably saying they're the second best team. There's an opportunity there on that side of the draw as well. So I think just within Leinster, those two games are, are particularly fascinating. An opportunity for Offaly and... Um, an opportunity for either Loud or Westmead, I'd say, to put their hand up and, you know, really say that they're, you know, potential, somewhat of a threat to Dublin, maybe in that potential Leinster final. Who is looking at the master fixture list, Colm? Surely you boys, there was what, two games yesterday. How many, is there 10 games next weekend? And there was something similar to the previous yeah, week. Ten, yeah, but or something. Given the schedule, given the schedule that's there with the split season now, it is almost impossible to do it any other way because of the alignment for the yeah, conclusion absolutely. of the provincial championships. There is such a short window there that it has to be. You obviously have to give teams two weeks. You could have put the Leinster quarterfinals on this weekend, but that would have been unfair to the winners of the preliminary rounds to have just a week, like happened last yeah, year. Uh, Wexford went and beat Offaly last year, wasn't it? And within yeah. within six days, they were down. They had Dublin down in Wexford Park. Most unfair. So they had to give that degree of separation. Now you could say the league finals should have been two weeks apart as well, but you just don't have you just don't have the time. Once you are committed to concluding the All Irelands at the end of July, and you know that could maybe move into August, maybe one week into August. I think, and I consistently say it, uh, that would be the optimum place for it to sit. Then, and there's also a question of maybe bringing the leagues back. 
and dispensing with the pre-season competitions as well, just to give that more room for everything to breathe and for everything to exist. Because you've raised a point there, obviously, that's, that's, a, that's a crunch issue that there are so many games. But if you had a week at the start and you had a week at the end, you could play around with just that and just spread stretch out the provincial championships. And, you know, I'm not so sure whether the second and third place playoffs will survive beyond this year or next year. They could they could lose their way too. So, look, it's an evolving uh, it's an evolving uh, formula and templates that 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 can change. But I go back to Michael. I'm surprised that you are not so sure Offaly could beat Mead. Last year in the league, Offaly should have beaten Mead. There was a late goal and a controversial goal in the league and it actually cost Offaly and put them down to Division 3. And obviously, as you have said, uh, Mead did not have a good league at all and have been very poor. And I think they're fragile and I think they're quite vulnerable as well down there. The game I'd be interested in, I think very great consequences, obviously, Cavan and Armagh for a couple of reasons. Obviously, Cavan won Division 3. They're not guaranteed a place in San Maguire unless they reach a provincial final. I think provincial final championship will have a lot of meaning for Cavan and it should have a lot of meaning for Armagh as well because... The expectation around Armagh is that they get to an Ulster final and they live and they deal with that expectation, which is something they haven't been very good as a, as a team in recent years. And obviously their Ulster record is poor, but it's the record of living up to the expectation around them. When they're favourites, when they're expected to win, they have to go and do it. And they're, they're expected now to reach an Ulster final on that side of the draw. We have to see whether they go and do it. Yeah, and, and I know you want to wrap up, uh, but, but actually just scanning through the games, like... We touched on the ones already, but look at Limerick Clare, the significance of that uh, column in terms of, of, of a team getting into the yeah. All-Ireland series. Massive. Also down Donegal. Look where Donegal is as a massive opportunity for down at home. I think it's in Park Esler to take a scalp. Donegal on the ropes. Huge opportunity for them to try and lift themselves. So there's there's a lot of good games and I'm, I'm expecting a couple of both good games and a few upsets there to, to have us talking next week. And obviously obviously in Connacht there's Galway and Roscommon yeah. as well, which yeah. are yeah, now, the, now the two heavyweights in the province, but also the novelty of New York coming over to play a Connacht semi-final after their first win. Uh, now they've played in Connacht championships in Irish soil before, but uh, again touch a novelty about that it's just so compressed this weekend, but right now, within the within the time frame, it's a pity in one respect that these games don't have more time to breathe. But I'm sure that'll evolve. And is someone it just said me, the provincials are dead. Yeah, is, someone yeah, said the just, provincials are dead. We, we've <laughs> never looked forward to an early part of a championship as much as this year, isn't it? Like really, when you look at it, there's something like even like yesterday there was only two there was only two games over the weekend, but yesterday was brilliant and Saturday night was was fine. The first weekend we'd three big you know big wins. This weekend just seems like there's opportunities knocking everywhere you look. Well, there's the extra carrot, Mick. You see, you mentioned it there. So for the Limerick Clare. There's, there's not just a provincial final place and, and maybe getting the perennial licking from Kerry. There's an opportunity now to get mm. into the All-Ireland series. The same for, so there's that extra carrots dangled for, for teams in the, in the provinces as opposed to just getting a, a day out in, 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 in a provincial final. So I'd say that, well, we're talking about it, so that has to have, have a, be, having a big bearing on it too, you know? Yeah, but obviously Claire Limerick, Offaly Mead, Cavan Armagh, very consequential in terms of the broader Sam Maguire Todging Cup picture. And that does bring a renewed focus and sharpness to, to the, the provincial championship for certain teams. Obviously, at another level, there are those that can park it and move on. 
But I don't think any of these teams that we're talking about now can can park it there. There is the biggest show in town right now for them. Well, it's set up to be an absolutely cracking weekend next weekend. But for the moment, Colin, Dick and Michael, thanks so much for joining me on the latest episode of the Throwing Podcast. As I said, we'll be back next week to discuss all the latest action. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye. This is an Irish independent podcast.